it's very surreal, I have to say, to uh, be standing here on my last Sunday as your vicar. Um, but actually, my overriding emotion this morning, although I feel sad, um, the reason I feel sad is because this is a great church and it's going to be hard to leave. Um, and so my overriding emotion is actually one of thankfulness, thankfulness for having had the privilege of leading and serving you and of being your vicar, of being able to grow with you, actually. Um, I've grown in my faith uh, probably as much, if not more, than some of you guys uh, through my time here, just because actually that's um, been the culture we've tried to create here, that we are open to how God wants to help us to grow and to change and to become more like Jesus. And just a massive thank you to those of you who... Uh, were around last night. We had an amazing um, doing here for those who were here, um, able to get fight through the snow. And thanks for doing that this morning, by the way. We actually had 120 people sitting down in here. I don't quite know how we managed that, around tables as well. Um, so it was great, and a quiz, and, um, and lovely food, and a um, lovely presentation from Warden's Past and Present. Um, Thank you so much for the, the book that many of you have contributed to with some fantastic photos and some lovely words from people. Not that I've read them all yet, actually, um, so I'm hoping they're all lovely. Um, <laughs> if they're not, I know where you live. Um, <laughs> so, no, thank you so much for that. It's going to be a very precious memory, and uh, Debs and I are really looking forward to just sitting down and and, and looking through that and reading that. And some of the photos are priceless. Um, they really are. Um, so thank you. And also thank you so much for your generosity. The gift that you've given to us um, is just uh, overwhelming. So thank you so much for that. Um, we will uh, let you know how we're able to use that. And it's um, just wonderful. So thank you. So what I want to do this morning is just very briefly... Um, say a little bit about this passage that um, David's just read to us, and then I'm going to say a little bit more in terms of my personal uh, thanks and reflections as well. So as you know, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, and um, as I was thinking and praying about what to preach on for my last few sermons here at St. Stephen's, the book of Ephesians kept coming back to me. And the reason for that is because Ephesians uh, has been called by many people the gospel of the church, and it's really... I hope both an encouragement and a challenge. So an encouragement because it talks about who we are in Christ. And actually that's been one of the, the things that has been so wonderful about being part of St. Stephen's is that it is a church that seeks to follow Jesus. Now that might sound pretty obvious that that's what churches do, but sadly that's not always the case. There are some churches that get very caught up in all sorts of other things um, and get distracted by all sorts of other things. But actually one of the things that's been wonderful about being the vicar here is that we're a church that is seeking to be centred around Jesus. Um, and that's, you know, that's not just down to me, that's down to all of us. And so it's been really, so as I, I sort of contemplate leaving and as we enter, all of us actually, a time of transition and change and a, for you a time of vacancy, I hope that we can take some encouragement from the words of Paul in Ephesians, as well as some challenges that will take us uh, into the next phase. So in terms of encouragements, we've looked over the last few weeks at what our identity is in Christ, 
that actually we are in Christ, that we aren't part of this new family, this new community, this new society with Jesus as its head and Jesus at the centre. So we've looked at our identity in terms of being in Christ, but also as being God's masterpiece, that each of us are created with a purpose. And for some of us, that's something we just still need to get hold of, that God has created each one of us uniquely with our particular experiences and skills and talents, as well as the things that have not been so good in our lives. God can use all of that stuff. It's fertile soil in which God can um, put down roots in us, in which we can become more like Jesus and he can use us. So continue to be seeking how God wants to use you. And then we've looked at how God has gifted us for growth um, with different uh, ministries and different gifts that we each have. And also how we are called to be rooted and established in love. Um, and that's what we looked at the other week. And then today we're thinking about our identity in terms of being dearly loved children. Dearly loved children. Um, and this is part of the bigger picture that um, Paul is trying to paint here in Ephesians. And we'll talk about that picture in a moment. Um, this bigger picture that Paul's trying to paint in Ephesians of the fact that we are called to be a new people, a new creation. Uh, both as individuals, we're called to be a new creation, to put off the old self, the old clothes, um, but also as a community, that we are to model something different than the rest of society. That to, we're to be a community that is centred around Jesus, a community that shows something of the love of God into an often hurting and broken world. And that when we ourselves are hurting and broken, that we know that we're part of this wonderful Christian family. And it's certainly been a great privilege to be part of that family as well. So we're not going to cover this whole passage. I'm just going to uh, pick out a few things. But I just want to reiterate again that St. Stephen's is a great church. And that as God has called me into this new position working for the diocese, that he um, will continue to be faithful to St. Stephen's and he will call the next person, whoever that might be. So one of the things that um, Paul um, says is, a, is about being this new society, and John Stott, a Christian author, says this. He says, For the sake of the glory of God and the evangelization of the world, nothing is more important than the church becoming God's new society. Nothing is more important than God's church becoming, sorry, the church becoming God's new society. So, in other words, we are to be this community of faith that actually models something different to the world. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Paul basically analyzes the problem and the solution in this passage. He says, first of all, the problem is human nature. Uh, that actually our human nature is sometimes one that draws us away from God, sometimes draws us uh, away from the things of God. And Paul talks about this in verse 22 as our old way of life. Or as another translation puts it, your uh, crumpled old self. I like that, your crumpled old self. Um, but actually we're called on to put, on, put off this uh, old self and to put on a new self. And the image there, the image that Paul is trying to conjure up, is one of taking off old clothes, filthy rags if you like, um, taking them off and putting on a new sort of tailor-made bespoke suit that is made just for us, that 
where we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, we're clothed in this identity of being his children, of being dearly loved, of being adopted into his family, of being part of this new society. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you're not very good at getting rid of old clothes. <laughs> when, when we first got married, um, Deb's um, sort of took one look at my wardrobe and um, that's got to go. That's got to go. I mean, I personally felt that the um, very high-quality underwear that I'd bought from Leicester Market several years earlier was, was still perfectly functional. <laughs> Deb's didn't agree. Um, and I don't know about you, but do you have things in your wardrobe? You know, who's still got those flares thinking they're coming back into fashion? Yeah? Um, or, or those shell suits. Has anyone still got a shell suit? Come on. <laughs> But if you're anything like me, you sort of hold on to things. Because they, a, because they feel quite sentimental. Or maybe you're just a bit tight. Or um, <laughs> whatever it might be that you uh, hold on to, to the old. And it's the same in our Christian lives. That we sort of have this constant sort of being dragged back to our old way of life. And the old clothes, if you like. Uh, before we ask the Lord into our lives. Before we ask Jesus to change us. And so we need to resist that pull uh, back to putting on the old clothes. And so Paul tells us that we need to put on this new self, this new self. And he can contrast the thoughts, attitudes and behaviour of the old self and the new self. So we've got a chart there. And don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of this in detail. We haven't got time for that this morning. But I just want to, wanted to give you a, an idea of how much detail Paul goes into in this passage of the contrast between our old self and our new self. So just take a moment just to have a look at that. And maybe as you read the list, just be honest with yourself about whether there's one of those things that you particularly struggle with, whether it be anger or uh, falsehood, um, unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, whatever. If there are particular things of your old self that you've, you've, you feel are sort of sometimes dragging you back um, to your old way of life. So just have a look at that for a moment. And then we're just going to pick up um, one or two things. Now the thing is that we, in our own strength, in our own effort, we cannot just suddenly become this new person that isn't all of those things on the left. Or certainly that's true for me. Um, we need God's strength, don't we? We can only do this as we allow ourselves to be changed and transformed by Jesus. And that really has been my whole Raisin Detra, the time I've been here at St. Stephen's, is to create a culture where it is safe to change, where it's safe to be broken, it's safe to come before God and say, you know what, I just don't know. Or even sometimes, and I know some of you have been through this, sometimes come before God and say, I barely know you exist anymore because of what I've been through and the pain that I've suffered but that actually this is a safe place in which we can be honest about those things and not all have to pretend 
to have it all sorted all of the time. And I hope I've never given that impression that I've got it completely sussed or sorted because I really haven't. Just ask my family. <laughs> um, you know, I certainly have struggled with some of these issues myself. Um, you know, I'm st always stealing from the collection, for instance. <laughs> um, I will give it back one day. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's why it's taken me so long to leave, you know. Because, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I won't go there. Thank you, Claire. Um, <laughs> where was I? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, we, we, need, we need the strength of the Holy Spirit. We need the strength of this community to help us to change. And change is a painful and a slow process. But it is possible. And that's one of the amazing things as I look at all of you um, and think about the last 11 years that actually I know, I can see, and I've seen it. So many of you have made massive changes in your lives, um, taken important steps of faith, maybe uh, taken on new responsibilities within the church or within your workplace, but that you've known that that's what God has called you to do. Um, all sorts of things where you've stepped out in faith. And we can only do that, can we not, in Jesus' strength and in, with the encouragement and support of one another. I've been richly blessed by being part of several fantastic home groups that have really blessed and encouraged me. So we're part of this new society, this new community, this new family of Jesus that seeks to be a transformative community. And it's really cool as I go to work for the diocese that that's actually the, the strap line of the diocese, uh, transforming church, transforming lives. And I really love that vision that actually we're to be a community that seeks to both uh, see individual transformation, but actually to see transformation of our communities and the society that we're part of. And many of you are agents of transformation and change within your workplaces. Some of you literally across the world are making an impact in all sorts of different ways by the way that you conduct yourself. So let's look at that for a moment. Um, Let's look at verse 23 and 24 in the message translation. I've got it written here. Uh, the message, Eugene Peterson writes this. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Wow. As God accurately reproduces his character in you. Well, I know that I'm quite a long way off that. But actually, how do we... How do we become more like Jesus? That's the nub of the question, isn't it? How do we become more Christ-like? How is our life centered around Jesus? Well, the answer is actually really simple and really hard. The answer is that we spend more time with Jesus. You know, if you want to become like somebody, you spend time with them. And so that's why I've placed such a great emphasis, and we've placed such a great emphasis as we've preached um, and encouraged you, is to... Be responsible for your own walk with Jesus and to think about the different types of spiritual disciplines that we've in, uh, Claire's introduced centering prayer, which has been fantastic, and other ways of praying that might be quite new to us, um, or silence or solitude, having a rule of life, um, obviously reading scripture day by day, all sorts of different ways in which we can be with Jesus. And I hope I've encouraged you to work out the best way that you can do that for yourself with your particular personality, with your particular experience, but also to try new ways of being with Jesus. And that's how we become like him 
And that's how we begin to see changes in our mind because actually our mind is the place where our behaviour and our attitude start, isn't it? And actually our behaviour doesn't just suddenly come out of nowhere, but our behaviour flows out of the things that we think, our attitudes, and often that's a direct consequence of the things that we feed ourselves with. So what are we feeding our minds with? What are we feeding our bodies with, literally? What is it that we're taking in? Because actually, the things that we take in will often spill out. So in terms of what we watch, in terms of what we read, all those things are really important. The language that we use, um, these things are important because they're about the renewing of our mind. I love that verse in um, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The word then is really important in that, in that verse. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will. And as you can imagine as a vicar, a lot of the conversations I have are about God's will. You know, what is God's will for me? I'm seeking God's direction and that's a really good prayer to pray. And I'd encourage you to keep praying it. But sometimes the reason that we don't get the answers we're looking for are because we're, we're wanting God to give us the answers about what we're going to do next or what, where he's guiding us. But we're not prepared to allow him to renew our minds. We want to stay in the same rut of our thinking or our attitudes, which are unhealthy and not, help, not good. And yet we expect God to reveal his will to us. Whereas actually what God is saying is, I think you've got a bit more work to do first. I think you need to allow me to bring some transformation and some change into your attitudes and thinking before you go on to whatever it is that God is calling you to do. The J.B. Phillips translation of that verse uh, says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mould. I know I've said that a few times before because it just captures it, doesn't it? How we, you know, the world just sort of squeezes us into this sort of way of doing things. Or you know, it tells us that we're wearing bright, shiny clothes, but actually we're in filthy rags. So that's really important that we think about that for our own lives and we think about that um, for us as a church. So let's have a little look just as I come to a close of this section. Um, first bit of chapter 5. Um, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we're given some clues about how we imitate God um, Basically, if we want to imitate God, we imitate Christ because Christ reveals fully who God is to us. And back in verse 32, we read some of the ways in which we are to do this. Uh, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And that's a really good corollary to the things on the left. Actually, kindness and compassion and learning to forgive others is massively important there's also that really cool verse isn't there which Debs and I often talk about with wedding couples is do not let the sun go down on your anger it's such amazingly good advice that actually try and sort stuff out and that doesn't just mean in marriage but in our personal relationships with one another don't 
hold long accounts, keep short accounts, go straight to the person who you feel has wronged you and sort it out straight away. I know that's really, really tough, not always easy, but honestly, it makes a massive difference because otherwise we become bitter, otherwise we start imagining and making all sorts of assumptions about what that person thinks or feels, which are just not true. So really important. And that's what's great about this letter is that it's full of practical advice as well as this amazing vision of who God is and who Jesus is and what he has done for each of us. It's also really practical because we all know, don't we, that bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, haven't seen too much of that recently, but um, you know, slander and malice, um, you know, they are really toxic, toxic things in a Christian community. And the opposite of those things is kindness and love and compassion and kindness. Kindness goes a long way. And actually, it starts to become the culture of the community. And I hope, you know, we've begun to create a culture here that is kind and is loving, that does bear with one another. And that's really, really important. And then, just a final thing, and you know I've said this many times before, is that actually the amazing thing about being a Christian is that we are called to partner with God in this vision for this new society, this vision for a new community, this vision for a restored and recreated and reconciled world. We are called to play our part in being agents of peace and reconciliation uh, and restoration. And it begins with us, of course, as we seek to be restored and reconciled to God, to one another. We then can begin to um, be a sweet aroma, a sweet fragrance to those around us in the world as we actually demonstrate and show a different way of living. So I'm just going to say a few personal things now. Um, And again, just to repeat again what I've said already, actually, that my overriding emotion today is thankfulness. Uh, And one specific thing I'm thankful for is that we are a team. I'd started to list all of the people who have held particular positions within the church, whether that be wardens or... um, as part of the staff team or treasurers or PCC secretaries and you know the list goes on and actually the list is so long that we would be here quite a long time if I read, it, read them all out and many of you are on that list but actually beyond that list are all of you who participate and contribute to the church in so many ways and what I'm so grateful for is that we really are a family we really are a team aren't we and you know that I'm not diminishing the fact that, if I, that when I go it, may, it will no, make no difference. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that I know that the church is, is actually held and is served by so many different people. And that this has been just a, a fabulous team. To be part of the staff team is amazing. But also we have some key volunteers who just give so much of their time and energy. And um, I'm just so, so grateful to each of you. I'm so grateful as well for those who among you have just really stepped out in faith, have started new ministries, started new things, or just in your personal life, just taking more time to be with Jesus and to grow in your faith. Those of you in your workplaces have just shifted slightly how you work and how you treat those that work for you and how you set the tone in your workplace all of those things have just been so 
uh, important. And the thing is, as well, is that you know I'm not. When I first came here, um, I had well, I still have, but I had even more to learn back then. And there were so many things as a leader that I was really, really rubbish at. Um, I'm still quite rubbish at quite a lot of them, but I've delegated most of them. Um, and, um, and so I just feel this has been a place in which I've been allowed to grow as well. And where actually you've borne with me when I've made mistakes, when I've got things wrong, when I've not been quite on, the, uh, on top form. Uh, and... I just know that you've borne with me in that and that actually you've held us as a whole family in prayer. Um, and that has just been so important. I, I, I know that you will do that for whoever comes after me, that actually as you seek to love them and uh, pray for them as you have done for me, that is actually the best gift you can give to any minister, any clergy person, is to pray for them, is to love them and support them and their families and encourage them. Um, we do need encouragement. Um, I often feel, I don't know whether any of you suffer from this, but I often suffer from what's called imposter syndrome. Has anyone ever had that? Where you sort of think, Why, how, how am I standing here speaking to all of you? This sort of kid from Leicester who was a bit, bit underconfident and a bit, you know, um, spoke before we thought and put his foot in it all the time uh, and was the guy who sat in the class on his own most of the time and in, as a, in junior school because um, I was too cheeky and you know naughty um, so here I am standing you know in front of you preaching and leading a church and all that sort of stuff how did that happen and the thing is I feel very much that I'm just a fellow traveler a fellow pilgrim with all of you but yet that God in his mercy and in his providence and because he's got a great sense of humor uh, has said Danny uh, you can be one of my leaders, you can be a priest, you can be a, a shepherd of, of my people. And so I've always done that, knowing that actually I'm, as I say, a fellow pilgrim and a fellow disciple with you. Um, and I hope I've never sought to lead you by just saying, well, I'm the vicar, you've got to do what I say. Um, that's never been my intention. But as I say, you've been gracious when I've made mistakes, you've allowed me to grow and in fact, it's because of the experience that I've had here and the growth that I've, I've been allowed to uh, pursue myself is that I'm now going to be doing this role where I'm going to be helping other clergy and encouraging them and helping churches to see how they can engage in mission and outreach in the way that we do here at St. Stephen's. Now, of course, we've not got it all sussed. Of course we haven't. But actually, you need to recognise that because of all of you, this church does make a really big impact in this community and beyond, actually. And that's not just down to me. That's because we are a team. And then on a more personal um, sense, uh, one of the, the real privileges of being a, a minister and a clergy person is spending time with each of you, and many of you anyway, at sort of those pivotal moments of grief and loss but maybe of joy of the birth of a child or a baptism or a grandchild or, um, or maybe you know, marriages as well or new relationships or maybe through difficult situations with losing a job or changing a job, uh, marital difficulties, whatever it might be. It, it's just been it's a huge privilege. It really, really is to walk alongside you in some of those 
really difficult as well as those joyous times. And it really is, has, is and has been a privilege to walk with you uh, through those times. And then it's been a br- real privilege to be worshipping with you and to have those moments where we just know that God is here by his spirit. And even though there's stuff we don't understand, we know that God is real, that he is here by his spirit. And be encouraged that many people who walk through those doors who are unsure about their faith, pretty much all of them will say, there's something about this place. And the something about this place is because God's spirit is here. And why is God's spirit here? Because the people of God have prayed faithfully for 100 and whatever it is, 170 years in this place. That is why the spirit of God is here. Because the spirit of God lives within each of his people. And that includes you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's an amazing, incredible thing. So I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you. And I said this last night, but I'll say it again in front of all of you who weren't here. I also want to say a massive thank you to Jacob and Joel and to Devs because actually being a vicar is not quite like any other job because you drag your whole family with you. You know, I get a new job, they have to move. Um, And they have to share their home. They have to put up with their home being invaded every now and again by lots of people they don't really know. Um, Sometimes at different times of day or night. Um, And that isn't always easy. And then even worse, they have to tolerate their dad going in and doing school assemblies and and that sort of stuff. Um, So, you know, it's not easy being a vicar's kid. And um, again, thank you for embracing us as a whole family. And of course, to Devs, without whom, you know, I couldn't possibly do this job. Um, and um, who, of course, herself has been on quite a journey. Devs, do you want to say anything? <laughs> I've just put on the spot there, haven't I? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's coded language for shut up and get off. Um, yeah, but anyway, thank you seems like an inadequate word, um, but it is heartfelt. I, I do thank you. I thank you so much for being my uh, Christian family. And um, it's a very weird thing to sort of now be changing my relationship with you, no longer being your, your vicar. Um, but I'm not going to be too far away. Just so you know what's happening practically, um, we, the, wonderfully we've been provided with a house in Aldershot. Uh, the house isn't ready yet for us to move into. We're not actually 100% sure when it will be, um, but it's probably going to be sometime in May. So I'd really ask for your prayers for that, for the practicalities of that. But actually, um, we're so blessed that you know, this is provide, this part, one of the massive benefits of being a, an ordained person is that housing is provided so this house will be provided as part of Deb's job effectively so we're going to be around and about a little bit longer I might bump into you in Tesco's or Marks and Spencer's or Waitrose depending on your preference um, <laughs> and, um, and so we'll be around for a little while longer but um, thank you so much for being a great church a great community and I just encourage you to keep on going on, keep on seeking Jesus, keep on growing deep roots in him. And I know that the Lord will continue to prosper 
and um, bless this congregation. And actually, I genuinely pray, pray that you will flourish during the vacancy because it really isn't all about the vicar. It's about all of you because we are all the family of God, the people of God, uh, with Jesus as our head and as our Lord. Amen. <laughs>